0: The draft is almost upon us, and it is a great time to talk some Chiefs, guys. Let's do it. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast, the land of ten thousand takes. I am your host, Minnesota Chiefs fan, or Seth Kaiser, and I apologize. We are a day late and a dollar short. Um, I had some technological issues. I'm actually on the road this week. It's a whole long sob story that you don't need to hear, but I am sorry. But now we are getting stuff done. We are recording the Chief in the North. And hopefully I make it up to you by answering many mailbag questions. Um, This is just an exciting week. It's draft time. We're all just bursting with curiosity. I cannot wait to have some guys whose film I'll take a look at as soon as the Chiefs draft them. Even though I'm sure Kent Swanson has probably already done some kind of write-up on them. Well, you know, I'm still going to have to anyway. That's just how I work. I can't accept someone else's review of a player. I always have to look for myself. And so it's the week of the draft. I, this is just exciting. It's an exciting time. And um, if you are really a draft Nick and you want more in-depth coverage than what I can provide, because I'm not a great draft guy, I'm a Chiefs guy, I I don't study all the prospects and all that stuff, check out Kent Swanson's pod, podcast, the the Arrowhead Pride Uh, draft podcast, whatever it is they call it. Um, They do great work over there and I think they're having a couple of them this week actually and so you would be doing very well to check those out. Um, Kent, again, he and Jake do a great job. They study everyone. It's a little absurd. makes me kind of sad for them actually that they have that much spare time but that's okay. You know, I'm actually kind of mad at Kent right now, but that's a, a whole a whole other ball of wax that we don't need to get into. Um, well, not really mad, but you know, pretend beef mad. You know, that's that's what we've got, we've become on Arrowhead Pride these days. We have pretend beefs. Anyway, um, this episode of The Chief of the North, we got a few things I want to cover. I want to talk a little bit about Stephen Nelson's film. Did a film review on him. Uh, that I want to just talk about the results a little bit. Uh, I also want to talk about the draft, obviously, because it's draft week. I want to kind of talk about what I would do if I were Brett Veach in general terms, not in really specific terms, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And then I want to take on as many mailbag questions as possible. So with all that said, let's dive right in. So earlier this week, I decided to take a look at a bunch of... Steven Nelson's games from last year. And the reason for that being, based on what we're seeing right now, it looks like the coaches are really counting on Steven Nelson to play a pretty large role in the defense last year, this next year. So I took a look at his snaps to try to figure out what we could expect and just kind of you know get an overall gauge on him. And you can find that article on Arrowhead Pride. And here's the long and short of it. Um, his loss percentage is a corner. And as you know, I, I chart every coverage. And I you know look at wins, losses, and neutrals. Um, his loss percentage was at 21.9%, which is a very acceptable number for a corner. His win percentage was 32.2%. Um, Again, perfectly acceptable. Nowhere near Kendall Fuller's numbers, but again, I don't expect him to play as well as Kendall Fuller. What I found watching Nelson's tape, for one thing, after he got three or four, maybe even five games underneath his belt, he really started to play a lot better last season, and it showed in the overall results that the defense had. Him playing better and Darrell Revis coming on board and providing at least competent coverage was a big swing for the Chiefs defense last year. Um, the past defense was significantly better down the stretch because of those two things, and Steven Nelson was a big part of it. Um, his best game of the year was that second game against Oakland where Marcus Peters was suspended and everyone thought we were completely hosed because you know they had just gotten thrown on all day by the Jets and everyone thought it was going to be terrible they were going to give up 50 points to the Raiders because they gave up a ton of points to them the previous game but lo and behold the defense actually showed up and played a great game and Steven Nelson was a huge part of that he forced a fumble he had a few stuffs he had great coverage all day in the slot he did a really really nice job one thing to note about Nelson that I found is he didn't lose his starting job to direct to Darrell Rivas, he actually was on the field nearly 100% of the snaps every game down the stretch. He started opposite Marcus Peters and then on nickel sets, he slid inside when Darrell Rivas came in. And so... Uh, watching Nelson, he's an interesting guy. He's got good footwork. He's got some flexibility. He's got a little bit of quickness. He's feisty. He's willing to play physical. Um, He's, he's a decent corner. I liked what I saw out of him by and large in coverage. However, he's got a ceiling. He doesn't have great recovery speed or even good recovery speed. So if he's beat, he's in trouble. Um, Also, he didn't look particularly strong at the catch point to me and his hips aren't quite as flexible as I'd like. Overall, it's hard for me to think he's going to progress a whole lot beyond what I saw from last year, where he was competent, but that was it. He wasn't great. Uh, he wasn't very good. Like you know, he was he was competent. He was decent. He was solid. Um, now you can do a lot worse than that at the corner position, but you can do better too. So it'll be interesting to me to see how they handle the the corner position moving forward this year. I. Uh, I'm not comfortable with the depth that they currently have. And that's, that's something that's been bugging me for a while now. Um, but I will say that Steven Nelson, if he's a guy who starts and he plays at the level that he closed out last season at, you can do a lot worse than that. And he'll do just fine if he's asked to be the number two guy and he plays like he did to close out the year last season. Now, am I super comfortable with it? No. But He's decent. And again, you can do a lot worse than decent as your number two corner. I do think, based on what I saw from him and Amerson, unless Amerson is able to regain his 2015 form, based on the tape from last year, I expect Nelson to beat out Amerson for that number two spot. And I think unless something changes, I think it'll be a situation where Nelson starts opposite Fuller, and then one of them slides inside on the sets with three corners, and then Amerson comes in as a boundary guy because Amerson's not going to play the slot. And that's just on a side note. We need to get away from this idea of number one corner, number two corner, number three corner, and your number three corner plays the slot. That's not how a lot of NFL teams do it these days. You've got guys sliding inside that maybe are your number one corner or your number two corner. It just doesn't quite work that traditional one-two-three way that a lot of people are thinking. I've actually gotten a ton of questions about that with regards to Kendall Fuller. and So that's just a quick side note. You have to understand just because a corner is playing slot doesn't mean he's the number 3 corner. It often means that he's the only guy that can do it because it requires a certain skill set to play corner in the slot where you are matched up a lot of times with a different kind of receiver and you don't have the sideline to use as another defender. And so that, that's a little bit on Steven Nelson. Um, he's decent. He's a guy I think that'll help the defense. I think he helped the defense last year. There's a reason the defense was a little bit better down the stretch last year, and one of those among several other reasons was Steven Nelson. And So I think he can help the defense this year. I think he'll be a guy who gets a ton of playing time. He's in a contract year, so I'm pretty comfortable with him. I feel better after watching him than I felt before watching him, if that's anything, but I'm still hesitant about the defense as a whole. and That's where I want to shift gears And start talking about the draft a little bit. Um, Again, I'm not a guy who watches all the prospects. I don't know everything about these guys. In fact, I know very little about most prospects. And that's what makes it so fun for me when the Chiefs select someone. Is usually when I go to review their film, that's the first time I've ever watched them. Uh, There was an exception to that last year because of Patrick Mahomes. And obviously that was wonderful, but normally, like say when the Chiefs drafted Chris Jones, I had never watched a lick of his film. So I had a blast watching him play and seeing how dominant he was on film at times. And so, you know, it'll be a similar situation this year where whoever they take, odds are I haven't watched any of them at all, other than maybe a snap here and there. And so I'm going to be really excited for that. I always love watching new film. Um so I've been thinking a lot about what I want the chiefs to do with the draft this year, not about specific players, but about addressing needs. Like how do I want Brett Veach to go about this? And normally I'm a guy because I view the draft a certain way. I view it as more of a crapshoot than a lot of fans. Um, And so normally I'm kind of a shotgun approach kind of guy where it's just like, you know, you just, you gotta get as many picks as possible because it's a crapshoot and no one really knows. And so you just do the best you can with that. This year, I'm kind of feeling a little more focused. I really, you know, Brett Veach has talked about being aggressive and trading up. I'd really like to see Brett Veach go after a couple of guys he really wants as opposed to, waiting and seeing how the board falls to him. I'd really like to see him trade up aggressively to maybe end up with even if it was just a couple of picks in the second round or something like that. I want to see him go get aggressive because I'd really like to see the defense get a little bit of help. I uh, especially the defensive line worries me. The corner position worries me. The safety position really worries me. And so they, they now the defensive line it's not as big a worry Um, you know, they, they, they haven't dropped off too much in talent swapping out Logan for Xavier Williams, but it is still a worry because the defensive line struggled at times last year. And when you end up with essentially the same group, it makes you ask yourself, well, how are we going to be better? And, um, you know, player development is obviously something you can count on to an extent, but not necessarily necessarily. Just because you just never know. You never know if players are going to necessarily get better the next year. So anytime someone says, "Oh well, this guy will be better and this guy will be better," I'm always like, "Well, maybe." Some. I mean, you know, that's what I thought about Philip Gaines for the longest time. I thought he'd take these flashes of brilliance that he absolutely had, and he would piece it together and become a great corner. And it just never happened. And that's you know, we've been waiting for D Ford to become a great pass rusher for how long? Years. He's entering his fifth year, and he's never consistently been a great. Edge rusher. And so uh, counting on player development can be dicey for me. And so even the defensive line position, which isn't quite as worrisome as safety and corner, is still a place that I'm worried. The reason I'm worried about the corner position, I've talked about this before, is there's a lot of what ifs there. There's a lot of ifs. You know, yeah, they'll be set if Amerson reverts to his 2015 form, and if Steven Nelson plays as well as he played last year, and if Kendall Fuller plays as well as he did last year. That's a great trio. Uh, Kendall Fuller is a superstar. He was a, he played like a superstar last year. He plays at that level, and Steven Nelson plays at the very competent level he played at last year. And David Emerson plays at the very competent level he played at 2015. Hey, you've got three strong corners right there. However, I don't like counting on ifs. It makes me uncomfortable. And so that that I'm feeling uncomfortable with the defense in general. And so usually I don't like having to rely on rookies to come in and play well right away. But honestly, with the defense and the shape it's in, and now look, there's some talent on the defense. Don't get me wrong. You've got Chris Jones, you've got Reggie Ragland, you've got Anthony Hitchens, you've got Justin Houston, you've got Eric Berry, you've got Kendall Fuller. You have talent on the defense. Stephen Nelson is competent. You've got some talent, but they need to fill in another, really, three or four spots with more talent would be my preference. But even if they can just fill in one or two and just get competent levels of play, and again, the corner and the safety positions are where I'm really really worried right now. Sure, maybe Murray will bounce back next year. Maybe Danny Sorensen will bounce back next year. But I hate counting on that kind of thing. So for me, if I were Brett Veach... What I would do is I would aggressively pursue guys that I think I can plug and play right away, whether that's a corner, a safety, or defensive lineman. I would actually prefer to see this be a draft where rather than looking at developmental guys, they look for guys that can contribute right away, and they try to focus on maybe two or three guys they really like instead of seven or eight guys that they like okay. I want them to go up and get their guys this year. And I want it to be you know entirely defense, really. I'm not worried about the offense one bit. I'm really not. The only exception I would make with the offense would be if one of the really good guards dropped. I wouldn't hate that. You know, if Will Hernandez drops to the second round, it'd be hard to say no to that because that dude brings a mean streak and would really help the line out. And so... And if something like that happened, I wouldn't be upset at all. Plus, it would be a cost-saving move for the offensive line down the road. But other than that, I really want them to focus on defense. Now we'll see. You know, odds are I've had someone say, "Well, I look forward to them picking a tight end." You know, and who knows? Maybe they will. Um, but for me, if it were, if I were Brett Veach, what I would do is aggressively pursue trade-ups to try to get. Two or three of my guys on defense, um, preferably a corner, a safety, and a defensive lineman. Just aggressively pursue guys that you think can help right away. The one name that I'll give in particular is uh, is Mo Hurst, the uh, the Michigan defensive lineman. And I know there's some back and forth surrounding him you know the heart condition rumors and that kind of stuff or not rumors I mean it's a fact you know the heart condition what I haven't seen confirmed and I've read a bunch of different things on it now is the idea that it's really going to impact him I feel like this might be one of those situations where teams are they see a medical red flag they freak out they take a guy off their board and that's it when even when it's not necessarily something that's going to really affect his playing career now is there a risk there sure but the reality is, from everything I'm reading, he's far and away the best defensive lineman in the draft. At least, you know, if you're not talking to edge rushers. Far and away the best. Far and away the best at generating pressure on quarterbacks, at shooting gaps, and helping against the run game. And I've looked at a little bit of his tape. Not too much, but a little. And I like what I see. Um, he's a bit undersized, but so is Aaron Donald. I don't care about that. Unless you're drastically undersized, I care whether you play strong, whether you play fast, He's got good pad level. From what I've seen so far, hand usage and really, really great lateral agility and quickness to where he could really shoot some gaps. So he's a guy that, in my opinion, is a top 10, top 15 talent that could maybe drop because of everything that's going on. And if he starts dropping to that 20, 25 range, slip into the second round, he's a guy that I would love to see them trade up to grab. Just because I think he could immediately step in and help improve the pass rush from the defensive line, and that's something they desperately, desperately need this year. So that's uh, that's what I would do if I were uh, if I were Brett Veach. I would uh, I would. Try to be very aggressive, get a couple of difference makers on defense, and not try to do a scattershot approach, but instead be more like a uh, you know the sniper approach. Get one or two targets that you really, really are sure of. And so we'll see how it plays out. You know, Again, that's a very general plan. But you know, hey, last year I said if I were John Dorsey, I'd trade up and draft Patrick Mahomes. So I've already done a specific one. So this year is a little more general. We'll see what they do regarding Hurst or any other player like that. I'm just excited to see uber aggressive. Brett Veach handle a draft it should be fun all right we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we are going to answer a ton of mailbag questions as usual you guys were great and provided a lot of them including one about Matt Saracen so obviously I'm going to answer that so we'll do all that right after this all right it's mailbag time. You guys, again, as always, you participated. You gave me a ton of questions. I will answer as many as I can. Josh Zacharias says, did you see the over-under for Chiefs wins at 7.5? What are your thoughts on that low number? Um, I answered on Twitter, but I'll just say it here. I, I'm not even sure what site that was. But uh, I would just say that there are a lot of people that are buying into the idea the offense will take a step back with Patrick Mahomes at the helm, you know, inexperienced quarterback, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are a lot of people that think the defense is going to be really terrible again this year. I have no idea whether the defense will be really terrible again, but it would surprise me if the offense took a significant step back. And so I, I, I just think that's why people are lowering it. Uh, Joe Scalit asks, uh, Seth, what kind of impact do you think Daddy Nicholas can make in the pass rush? Do you think he comes back and contributes? It seems like he was coming on a bit before his injury, and then last year he never made it back. You heard anything about his progress. Thanks. I haven't heard anything. I'm not counting on anything from him. I think he shows some really nice bend around the edge and some quickness when he's played, but that's been rare. And so we'll see, but, you know, again... Counting on guys who have never done anything is not something I'm as comfortable with as I used to be. I've just been burned too many times at this point. That would be great, but I just don't see it. Um, Sign Eric Reed asks me, with the Chiefs having needed a quarterback, do you think their plan is to move Tyreek to corner? Um, no, I don't. That uh, that would be insane. All due respect. Uh, Joe Moore, and this is maybe my favorite mailbag question of all time, asks me: Matt Saracen or Vince Howard? And look, I know not everyone is a fan of Friday Night Lights, so I'll try to keep this to a a, a minimum or a maximum of, of one minute because I don't want to bore you. But um, here here's the deal: Vince Howard is is you know like the most talented, best high school quarterback of all time. If you believe what you see on Friday Night Lights, he he runs like Vic. He's got a cannon like Patrick Mahomes, and he works hard like, well, Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, he just is a great, great, great player. Matt Saracen, on the other hand, is a guy who just isn't nearly as talented, but yet somehow still manages to win a ton of games. And it's just never, ever, 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 ever out of any game. And so here's the problem. To pick Vince Howard, I have to pick against Matt Saracen. And so I find myself at a bit of a crossroads here because I vowed once I would never, ever, ever pick against Matt Saracen because, and fans of the show would know this, he's always got one more. So I, I, this, is, this is the Sophie's Choice dilemma for me. And so here's what I would say. If I were to pick a quarterback to win one game, I think, I really think I'd, Pick Matt Saracen. I know I'm an idiot. I know I am. I know I'd regret it. If I were to pick a quarterback to build a dynasty around, I'd pick Vince Howard. Again, I'm insane. Um, I had a bunch of people ask me about the defense, um, including one who said very bluntly, you know, uh, I'm trying to find it here. Last year you said the defense would be good and they were terrible. This year you are saying they could be better or they should be better. Why? Well, they should be better because they gained talent. And haven't lost as much talent as they've gained. That would be the short end of it. Um, getting Eric Berry and D. Ford back, and getting Kendall Fuller and getting Anthony Hitchens and Xavier Williams is. A lot more talent coming in than left with Marcus Peters and Benny Logan. So that would be the short answer. Um, As far as the first part goes, yeah, I thought the defense would be better than they were last year and I was wrong. Um, I didn't anticipate DJ taking such a massive step backward. I didn't anticipate Eric Berry getting hurt. I didn't anticipate D4 getting hurt. Now injuries happen. Unfortunately, the injuries were very specifically tailored to kind of really messed with the Chiefs. They they couldn't afford to lose any pass rushers, and they lost a pass rusher. Uh, They couldn't afford to lose Eric Berry, and they lost Eric Berry. And then, of course, Haley never stepped up. Uh, He just didn't have anything left. And DJ took a huge step backwards, and Ragland wasn't ready to really make an impact till midway through the season. So they were way worse than I expected last year. I'm, I'm thinking things will bounce out a little bit this year. Bob Sutton has only had one bad defense during his entire tenure in Kansas City. Now, he's had one kind of average defense, if you go by DVOA, and he's had multiple good defenses. I don't expect him to have a horrible defense two years in a row. So that's why I expect them to be better, is because they they gain more talent than they lost. Um, and so I was asked... Uh, <laughs> Um, Hey, Seth, do you think Sammy Watkins, a.k.a. Lizard King, has a point when he asks how Reed will get the ball to everyone? Kelsey Hunt, Hill and himself, nah, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. I think uh, Patty Mahomes seems like a guy that can really handle that kind of thing, letting guys know when they're going to get their touches, that kind of stuff. It's all about communication in those situations, as long as no one's trying to be too awfully selfish. Kelsey's already a superstar. He'll get his. Tyreek Hill has already seen that he'll get his in that offense. And so I really don't see it as being too much of an issue. Plus, the better your offense is, the more opportunities everyone should get because you'll have fewer three and outs, etc. So I think they'll be able to spread the ball around enough. Um, Brian Gradwell asks, if I haven't been saying people's names, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to roll through as fast as possible. He says, "Leon McQuay looked good in his limited action against the Broncos before he got injured. Have you reviewed his film? What are your thoughts on him? I haven't reviewed my uh, his film, but I did notice him. He he popped off the uh, screen a little bit when, during the Broncos game. I noticed that. Um, I I just I noticed that. He seems to move to the ball very quickly. My understanding is that they're kind of high on him, so we'll see. Again, I like much like with Daddy Nicholas, I don't like counting on people that haven't done anything. So... You know, we'll we'll see what happens, but I did think he popped off the screen a little bit, so hopefully he's healthy. Um, Jared Polifka says, is Pat Mahomes going to win 85 or 90% of his career starts? Please help. My hype train is going off the rails. Um, I don't think any quarterback ever has won that many of their career starts, so maybe that might be a tad excessive, but I will take this opportunity to say that Mahomes seems to be doing everything we hope would be doing. He, uh, you know, he got a group text together with each of the position groups, made sure everyone made it out there and coordinated it Threw guys, the ball um, took charge in that respect. Uh, Travis Kelsey mentioned when he was interviewed later on that uh, Mahomes doesn't have any problem taking leadership during those times. Those were the big things that I was worried about this off season, him kind of taking over a locker room that has been Alex Smith's for a while. I mean, and Andy Reid has said some really great stuff about what he's done in the film room. And so, it's uh, t- it's tough to not get hyped about someone who seems like he's being dropped in a perfect situation and seems like he's doing absolutely everything right. Um, you know, Everyone knew he had the talent, but now we're hearing all these things about him being willing to learn, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and now him taking charge. It just all feels too good to be true. And I think as Chiefs fans, we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't know if it's going to drop in this case. I really don't. The Franchise QB asks... Have you ever have you noticed Broncos fans are extra sensitive these days? For the first time ever, maybe it's because the Chiefs have a franchise QB and they don't. Ah, you know, I occasionally go back and forth with Broncos fans. Usually it's in good fun, but they some of them do seem a little tense. I think some Chiefs fans are a little mouthier than they were, and I think that's probably resulted in a little more tension than normal. So um, you know, maybe they're a little tense, but again, you know, if if your hope for the future were Case Keenum, you'd probably be irritated too. Brad Stoller asks, What do you think we need more? A safety or a corner? Uh, a safety by a narrow margin. He says, What did you think of Jessica Jones season two, if you watch it? I did watch it, didn't like it as much as season one because Kilgrave was a great villain, and the whole kind of plot it just didn't really do it for me. For whatever reason, it just wasn't I don't know. I just didn't find it as interesting, I guess. Um, And so, we've got a few... Man, I've got a ton more questions here. I had someone ask me about The Walking Dead. Um, I suppose I'll do two non-football questions around. Neil Davidson asks, if you're still keeping up with The Walking Dead, what did you think of the Season 8 finale? I think they needed to reset it. Um, I personally liked uh, uh, Negan. I liked uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan or Jeffrey Morgan Dean, however you say his name. I liked how he played Negan. Um, It just... For whatever reason, the all-out war plot didn't work, and so I, I personally like the the character, and I'm excited to see what else they'll do with him. But for me, they needed to reset and maybe get a little more back to being a horror show than an action show. They kind of it just it just changed a little bit, and it worked well in the comics from everything I've heard, but it just didn't work quite on the on the show the way that I think they were hoping for it to. I think they hit the reset button, and they've set up a bunch of new potential plot lines, and I'm excited to see what they do going forward. Um... Josh Webb asks, should retired jersey numbers become unretired after 50 years, or is that disrespectful? But won't we run out of numbers eventually? I think that's a solid point. I don't. I actually don't know how all that works. To be perfectly honest, um, you know, it just is one of those. Yeah. Again, I really have no idea. They. Uh, they. They. You'd think they would run out of numbers eventually, but I think for me, retiring a player's number should be like. The absolute last resort. I don't think it should happen very often at all. I think every team should maybe only have two or three guys whose jerseys are genuinely retired. It's a different thing from the Ring of Honor. I mean, again, you're taking up jersey numbers here. There's only 99 of them. So I would just say you got to be careful with that kind of thing. Um, Dave asks, where does Chris Conley fit in after adding Watkins? He's a guy I think would shine with Mahomes. It doesn't look like he might get his chance too many miles to feed. Um, I don't know. I genuinely don't. We'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of offense they run. If they do, um, and this actually goes in uh, with another mailbag question. I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. I don't have it in front of me here. Someone asked if uh, what I thought Andy Reid would do with the offense. I actually wrote an article on that on Arrowhead Pride a few weeks back looking at the Week 17 offense because Andy Reid said he kind of built it around concepts that he knew Mahomes was comfortable with much like what he did with Alex all of 2017. I expect Andy Reid to do what he did for Alex in 2017. I expect him to do that with Mahomes and try to Use a lot of some of the a lot of the stuff that he succeeded so much with at Texas Tech. So I think we're going to see even more of a spread offense in 2018, and because of that, I think you're going to see you know three, four, five receivers on the field which means even though Chris Conley is getting bumped down the depth chart, I think he'll still get his chances. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think Conley could do well when surrounded by this much talent. He's a guy who knows the offense. He knows the routes. He's got reliable hands. And so I think he'll, I think he'll do all right. I really think this offense could be crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Seth asks, what's the beef with you and TJ about? How did that get started? Uh, He's referring to TJ Carpenter. Uh, TJ and I got into it over a statement he made about an offense, uh, about the Chiefs offense and West Coast offense, how long it takes to... Learn it and a bunch of stuff that I, I felt was incorrect and I still feel was incorrect, but I don't really feel the need to get into it a whole bunch. Uh, here's what, you know, TJ and I go back pretty far and I, there's no beef between me and him. We, we like to give each other a pretty hard time and I tend to call him out when he says things that I think are incorrect and TJ has a certain way when he, doesn't think he's incorrect, which is usually, and so he and I go back and forth. I think he's he likes to do hot takes a little bit. He thinks that I'm too biased towards the Chiefs, so it's all in good fun though. I like TJ. Uh, we know each other a little bit. And I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine with him. Um, Lewis G says, with the schedule finally being released, what week do you anticipate will be the hardest for the chiefs? I have no idea. I would just tell you any kind of real gauge you're trying to get on the season at this point, you just can't, you just can't. There's too many variables. You know what I mean? You just never know what will happen before the season starts. And you never know what teams will take a step forward, what teams will take a step back. Um, it just isn't. Uh, it just isn't something that you can really look at. Um, we got time for just a couple more. Uh, Robert Chestnut asks, "Why weren't you invited to the pre-draft dinner?" That was a, a meeting between Pete and Kent Swanson and Joel Thorman, and uh, I, I know it was very hurtful. I was disincluded. You know, just because I live nine hours away doesn't mean that I don't want to be invited to stuff. It's very sad, very hurtful. But you know, I, I think they're definitely being. Uh, geography is I think is the correct word. I'm being discriminated against because I live out of town. It's just terrible. Um, a couple more questions here. Some of them might even be about football, but not this one. Mark at Forrest asks, what music do you like? Or Mark Forrest, I'm sorry. What music do I like? Um, honestly, I, I listen to a bunch of gospel music, and so whatever's on the Christian radio, <laughs> I'm pretty boring that way. Um, my favorite song right now is uh, Rock of Ages, which is uh, an old hymnal. I, again, I'm not a music Buff. I, I just listen to what I listen to, and so unfortunately, <laughs> it's not all that exciting. Um we've got time for just a couple more. Draft question, Adam Real asked, draft question. Let's say Dorsey called up Veach and offered up the first and the fourth pick for Mahomes. If you were Veach, would you take it? Blasphemy, I say, and if you he did take it, who would you want? I would not take that from Mahomes. The reason for that being I think Mahomes will be better than any of the quarterbacks in this draft. And so if you and if you take one the quarter, if you if you take that trade, you have to draft a quarterback with one of those picks, right? And so then you you've got a new quarterback that doesn't have any time in the system, whereas Mahomes might be ready to take over now. And so you're what you're really essentially you're swapping a quarterback, and you got to take him with the first pick to make sure you get your guy. You're, you're 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 getting a number four overall pick, and I think Mahomes is worth more than that. I really think he's going to be a very 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 good one. Um, Joshua Neely says, let's say, God forbid, Mahomes goes down with injury for the majority of the season. What's the best we can realistically hope for, for the 2018 season? I would say eight and eight, nine and seven. I think it's a really strong roster and I trust Andy Reid's ability to build an offense, but I think it would be real trouble. Um, Mike Baker asked two questions. Have you heard anything about Casey interest in Breland? If not, why not? And why not sign Gillette or uh, I can't remember how to pronounce his name correctly for a vet presence. Uh, That's junior. He's he plays for the Redskins. I actually had a good conversation with him a couple months back and wrote about it. Um, I don't know. The chiefs have been quiet on the free agency front for the most part, other than kind of lower end signings for a few weeks. I think they're waiting until after the draft. I really would love to see them. There are still some good free agents out there. And I would love to see them after the draft pick up another guy or two. Um we've got time for I think two more. How uh Frankie Lucasi asks how upset would you be if the Chiefs take an offensive weapon, tight end wide receiver, et cetera, with their first pick? I'd be kind of upset, but I've learned to not freak out about off season moves until I see what the product on the field looks like. Um that's, you know, until you see what it looks like on the field, there's really no reason to get irked. And that's the way I've always felt. And I think that's a mistake we make a lot in the office. It's like, oh, this is going to be trouble, blah, 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 blah. Well, the problem is we don't know. We have no idea. And so, again, there's just no point getting upset until you see what it looks like on the field. Because let's say, you know, maybe, I, maybe they go all offense in the draft and I just freak out. Oh, the defense isn't good enough and all this. And then it turns out, you know, you know, Amerson and Nelson both do really well and Barry is healthy and back and and Hitchens and Ragland just crush it and Jones takes a step forward to being a superstar and and Nacho takes a step forward and Williams is really good. You know what I mean? And suddenly the defense is like a top 10 unit and now the offense is like, you know, averaging 40 a game. I'd feel pretty stupid for getting upset during the offseason. On the flip side, sometimes we freak out about, oh, this signing is going to be so great. You know, like when Eric Winston signed his right tackle and it didn't move the needle at all. So really, until you can see see the product on the field, I'll react. But on the inside, I know until I see what it looks like, there's really no need to flip out. I think that's a good place to end for the day. I'm excited for the draft. The next time we talk, hopefully I'll have some new prospects, not prospects, but new Chiefs to talk about. and It's going to be an exciting time. I just, I, Every week that goes by is another week closer to the season that I am most excited about for any season since I really started paying attention as a Chiefs fan. I'm so excited to see what happens in 2018. I appreciate you guys listening, make sure to check out Ken Swanson's stuff, the Arrowhead Pride Draft Show, and everything they're doing with that. It really is good stuff. Uh, thanks for you know reviewing and rating and subscribing all that stuff. We're on Google Play, we're on iTunes, we're in a few other places too. It really does make a difference, and I appreciate that. As always, you guys are great. I appreciate you guys allowing me to be part of your your weekly routine and uh talking chiefs with you it's just it's one of the great privileges of my life so thank you for listening this has been the chief of the north with minnesota chiefs fan i will talk to you guys next week